Thank you, El Rey, and a very good morning. Yeah, you did great, eh? And that's the body of Christ working together and God doing his thing amongst us. And for those of you who don't know, my name is Stephen. For the regulars, you would know me, and it's so good to see you, whether you're here in person or online. If you're joining us for the first time, great to have you with us. And I wonder if there's anyone even here this morning who is still kind of investigating the things of Christianity, and you're coming in with some questions, you're coming in with some things that you're wondering about, and we just hope to be part of your journey. We're glad you are here as well. But we're starting a brand new series today. And I know that different churches have different ways of doing things and different flavors. And um, I would like to take some time as we start off this series to make explicit, explicit something that for us is implicit as a value. And that is this, that we believe that the life of faith and we believe that God's word is very real and it gets into the grittiness of life. And the reason why I say that is that while we love them in some Christian circles and some Christian environments, it's all about you come in, we come in with our faith, we come in with our worship, we have this wonderful spiritual party, we get told how we're overcomers and how we have victory in Christ. The problem is we hit Monday and our problems on Monday didn't hear the sermon on Sunday, so they don't know that you're the overcomer. One of the ways this kind of plays itself out is that uh, you may have heard pastors or worship leaders say things like, listen guys, and there's a right-hearted thing to this, but when you come in through those doors on a Sunday, you must leave your problems at the door. But can you see what that's communicating? That's communicating that out there is my real life, with my real concerns, and now I must come in, pretend that none of that exists, have a wonderful time of honoring Jesus and worshiping Him, and then I leave that behind to go back to my real life. And so one of the things we probably don't say enough here at Riverside is this, when you come in through those doors, bring your problems with you. Because we have a faith that is real and relevant. We don't have to make God's word relevant. But we do get to show how it is relevant to your situation. And so the new series that we're starting today is called Anxious for Nothing. Because we really want to allow God's word to give us some perspective in the grittiness and pain of our challenges, of our problems, the things causing us some anxiety. And I do believe that God has something to say to every single one of us here. And so I wonder, I'm not going to ask for any hands, but I wonder who here is worried about something? I think you're saying, listen, Stephen, I wish I was worried about something because that would imply I'm only worried about one thing because there are multiple things in my life challenging me, multiple areas of my life causing me concern, and we respond in different ways to these kinds of life challenges. For some of us, what it looks like is as you're about to go to sleep, 
your brain goes, but what about? Right? And you know sleep is gone. For some of you, you know, fight or flight or freeze. For some of you, you're fighters. And so you know you've got issues. You know you've got challenges. You know you've got anxieties. But you don't have time to feel. You don't have time to think about things. You're just taking it on the chin. You've just got your... Hello? Yeah. You've just got your head down. You're working harder and you're bullying your way through your problems. For some of you, it starts to feel like you're living with the sense that something could go wrong any second, and that's become your new normal. And for some of you, if you're really honest, you know that at some level, your anxieties and your problems are starting to cause you physical and mental challenges that you don't know how to deal with anymore. And so how does our faith, how does God's word speak to us there? Listen, I want to say that if you are ticking any of those boxes, I hear you. As I've often joked before, you know, before as a pastor, I was a human being. And so I also worry about things. Things in my life, things in my family's life, things in the life of the church, things that are going on in the world around me. And so I also need to figure out how does my life of faith intersect that stuff? And so we're gonna explore that. But before I dive into God's word, by the way, if you do have your Bibles here and you want to join with me, uh, we will, if you don't have your Bible, we will have the words on the screen behind me. Find me in 2 Corinthians chapter four. But before we get there, I wanna say at the beginning that while we trust that God's word is gonna help some of us think differently, God's word is gonna challenge us to maybe make some different decisions over the course of the series, for some of us, as much as we are trusting God can work in and through His Word, it is still no substitute for some professional help. You know, there's a stigma out in the world and in the church that, you know, I've got something wrong with my body. If you're a Christian, you, I'm hoping you pray about it. But we've got no problem giving God a day or two and then going to the doctor. And then we submit our physical problems to them. They diagnose those, hopefully in a helpful way. They give us some medication, a bit of a way to nurse ourselves back to help. And we're happy, maybe not so happy, but we're happy to pay for that. But when it comes to areas in our life where we experience maybe some challenges in the world of our mental health, we're like, no, I'm a Christian. I've got faith. And I'm going to get through it by faith. Now listen, in the same way that God can touch your body and heal you, and we know that God miraculously breaks through sometimes like that in our lives, He can do that in our mental health space as well. But I want to say from the outset that here at Riverside, we want to encourage you, there is no shame in recognizing that sometimes I need more help than a sermon can give me. And that does not mean I have no faith. 
And so right from the outset, I just want to lay that down, whether you need to hear that or hear that on behalf of other people in your life. But let's see how God's Word is going to encourage us this morning with regards to our challenges and our anxieties. And so join with me, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 12. Let's read together. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. I wonder how many of you have wondered. I thought being a Christian would be way easier than this. You know, when I hear about this idea that I'm an overcomer and we've got the victory I became a Christian expecting life would be awesome and life would be easy. And when life doesn't match our expectations, I wonder how many of you have said, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with my faith. Maybe if I was more like that pastor who seems to have it all together, or that Christian who seems to have it all together, then maybe life would be easy. But I wanted to notice that when Paul's writing here, he is including himself in these verses. And when it comes to a description for us as human beings, even as Christians, what metaphor does he use? He uses the metaphor that we are jars of clay. Now, when Paul uses that metaphor, is he trying to communicate, oh, wow, I'm a jar of clay? Or is it like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, Paul. I'm a jar of clay. Now, I know this sounds so counterintuitive. And what I'm about to say is so important. Because once again, if I bring a certain set of expectations into my life of faith. And when those expectations are not met, I conclude one of two things. Either there's a problem with me and my faith or there's a problem with God and this whole thing's a mess. And Paul starts with just getting very honest. Listen, we've got this treasure and we're gonna talk about the treasure in a second, but this treasure is in just simple, fragile jars of clay. And so I want to encourage you to do something that sounds very counterintuitive and that is to admit your deficiencies. To simply come to terms with what is true about you. And I know some of you are saying, Stephen, you know, I thought you're going to tell me how awesome I am. And I thought I came to church to be encouraged. And I promise you, you will be encouraged. Which is why this is counterintuitive. But we need to start off with the position where Paul starts off saying, with these jars of clays, that I am not 
invincible. Now listen, when God created us, he gave us agency. He also gave us potency. And uh, I was listening to Dr. Henry Cloud, a Christian psychologist, talk about this. And he says, you know, if you take a toddler and you wire them, their brain up to you, those graphs, you know, and uh, you give like their dad a hammer and the dad hammers the nail in and the toddler watches, yeah, he's excited and something registers on the screen. But you give the hammer to the toddler and he gets to knock that nail in, the graph starts going mad because we are created to be potent. The problem is we start to believe we are omnipotent, which, by the way, is a term that we use to describe God, the only one who is omnipotent, all-powerful. Now we sit here in church and we say, amen, the Lord is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. And then we get so surprised when Monday reveals that I am not invincible and I have weaknesses in my life. None of this, by the way, changes magically when you come to church. When you become a Christian, Christians and non-Christians alike are experiencing some of the political and economical challenges of our world. Christians and non-Christians alike are experiencing relational challenges. We're experiencing all sorts of anxieties. So look at how Paul describes his life. Remember some of the lies that we believe? There must be something wrong with my faith. Maybe if I was like the Apostle Paul, I mean, second to Jesus, he's like our greatest dude ever. Maybe if I had his life and his faith, then I would have the easy life. Listen to how Paul describes his experience. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. And some of you are saying, yeah, I'm hard-pressed at home. Things are tough. I'm hard-pressed at work. I'm hard-pressed just trying to do life in this world at the moment. I'm hard-pressed on every side. It kind of reminds me of one of those clickbait videos, and I'll be the first to admit that I watch these videos. There's a whole bunch of guys who make these little videos for you to click while you're supposed to be doing something else about these hydraulic presses. And so the camera lens is just focused on the middle of the hydraulic press and they like put a clock in there and you're going, whoa, what's going to happen to the clock? Now we know what's going to happen to the clock, but we're like, ooh, wow. Okay, let's back to work. Oh, crayons. They're putting crayons in the hydraulic press. I need you to watch what's going to happen to the crayons. And it goes down and they all ooze out the side. Like, okay, let's get back to work. Oh, they're putting a spanner. A spanner's a strong thing. What's going to happen to the spanner? I mean, it's such clickbait. It's so bad. But for some of you, that's what life feels like right now. Yeah? Hard pressed on every side. Paul says, and we're perplexed. And some of you are saying, that describes me. I don't have the answers. I've been praying, I've been thinking, but I don't know what's next. I don't know what the solution is. And so I'm feeling perplexed right now. 
Paul says, I'm also experiencing persecution. And so some of you are also saying, why is it that somehow we're living in a time in this world where the world seems to stand against everything that we believe? Where's the faith gone? What's happening in our world? Why is everything so anti-Christ? And then Paul also talks about being struck down and maybe some of you are saying, listen, that's me. I've fallen so hard, I actually don't know how to get back up anymore. And so just acknowledging your deficiencies and your challenges and your weaknesses and your anxieties is a very scary but a very freeing moment of honesty between you, yourself, your people and your family, your network of support and God himself. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Some of you are like, Stephen, I memorized that verse and I know there's a part B where Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. So Stephen, don't we live in part B? And we're gonna get to what part B is about, but what Jesus is kind of saying is, on one hand, we live in the reality of part A, and there's another part B reality. On one hand, we will experience challenges in this world, and yet there's a faith that I can have that Jesus has overcome this world. Being a Christian doesn't mean you won't have trouble, but I do believe it may mean that trouble might not defeat you. So how do we discover the victory of Christ in our troubles. Well, I do believe we need to start off by admitting our deficiencies. Number two, we need to affirm our dependency. Let's go back to Paul's arguments here in these verses. And I wanna read these verses emphasizing the part B. All right, instead of the treasure in jars of clay side of things. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's the reality check. To show that, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, part A, but not crushed, part B. We are perplexed in this world. You will have trouble, but not in despair. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Persecuted, part A, but not abandoned, part B. Struck down part A, but not destroyed part B. Somehow, I hold part A and part B together in my life. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, part A, so that... His life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, part A. But, part B, life is at work in you. And here is, I believe, one of the central Christian hopes that we can hold on to 
when it comes to my life of challenge and anxieties, once I've come to terms with the fact that I am not invincible, I am a jar of clay, and I am cracking and revealing my frailty. On the other hand, finding God's life is not about finding His life on the other side of my problems, but finding His life in my problems. Listen, there's two extremes when it comes to this. And the one I've already been addressing, and that is that somehow the Christian life means I must have a problem-free life. Jesus was clearly not reading that Bible. Neither was Paul. The other side is to somehow seek pain. That the more pain I'm going through, the holier I am. That's called masochism. We can find great joy in knowing what God is doing in and through my pain, but that's very different from somehow feeling more holy because I seek more pain in my life. Paul's perspective here I think is very helpful when he says, listen, I've learned the secret to this thing, and that is to be content in plenty or in want." When life is easy and life is awesome and there's plenty, I've learned to find joy in God. And, not but, and when life is hard and when I am being stressed out and I am being confronted by challenges, I've found a way to find joy in God and contentment even in those situations. When he writes to a young pastor, Pastor Timothy, he says, listen, Timothy, I want you and your church, I want you guys to pray for the emperor. I want you to pray for the pagan kings, the pagan governors, the pagan rulers. And he says, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. He says, this is a good thing. It pleases God. It is not a bad thing to pray for a life of peace. Does not make you not a Christian to seek to live a peaceful life in God's world. And I believe we were designed that way, but, but we live in the time between the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his return where he will make all things new and he will right every wrong. And as Christians, we can trust that he will return and make all things new because of the resurrection. And that is what Jesus means by in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Think about how Jesus defeated sin and death and pain and suffering. Was it by just somehow avoiding it and living a life of pleasure? Was it by waving a magic wand and it all just magically disappeared? No, he went through it. He took it upon himself to suffer and die for all sin and all brokenness and all death. But the victory is that death and that sin could not keep him down. And so we serve a risen Christ who will return one day. Day. And then I do believe we'll be living fully in part B. We are going to be looking towards this future hope 
where there are no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow for all of eternity. And so if that's what the gospel looks like, listen, God can deliver us from pain. And I don't believe that makes us any less of a Christian to pray for that. But more often than not, he delivers us through pain. One of the ways that God is at work in my anxiety is for him to graciously show me and to kindly show me you are not invincible. Jesus is not trying to teach us self-sufficiency, but God-sufficiency. He's not trying to teach us self-confidence, but God-confidence. He doesn't want me to depend on myself or my circumstances or world peace, but on Him and His life. Now, this is just the beginning, and I know some of you have more questions than answers today. And so I want to encourage you to journey with us as a church as we kind of see everything that God can say to us about our challenges and our anxieties. But how are we going to start off? We're going to start off by doing this, by admitting our deficiencies, by courageously, for those of you who have been doing the Bible Read Equip module, you'll know how we've been trying to encourage you to process what God is saying to you, what God is saying through His Word, what He's saying in your life, to process that somehow with pen and paper, with your laptop, with your phone out. Not just to read this and go amen and to move on, but to say, wow, God, I'm going to be courageous here and I'm going to ask you to show me my weaknesses. My anxieties, my concerns, where I am feeling what Paul's describing here. I am feeling hard pressed. I am feeling perplexed. I am feeling persecuted and struck down. Because Jesus, this reveals that I am not the source of my strength. But the good news doesn't stop there. We move on to the treasure in the jar of clay. And that is the life of Jesus. We depend on Him. And so we can come to Him not necessarily expecting that my problems go away because I put the right spiritual coin in the right slots, but rather as I depend on Him in my challenge, I can say with Paul, I am hard-pressed but not crushed. I may be perplexed without answers to my issues, but I'm not in despair. Yes, I may feel persecuted for my faith right now, but I'm not abandoned, I'm not alone. And yes, I may feel even struck down, but I'm not destroyed. By the way, this doesn't mean we become passive in our faith. 
We don't just go, oh, I'm just a jar of clay. I'm, I'm, I'm not immortal. I'm not, you know, infinite. I don't have this omnipotence. So I'm just going to sit on the back burner and do nothing. I believe the way Paul lived out his faith was the exact opposite. By depending on the treasure in this jar of clay, by depending on Christ and his life, that gave him this insane ability to face his problems, not believing that he has the power to overcome them, but Christ has the power to sustain him in this time. In just a few verses time, Paul says that though outwardly I'm wasting away, inwardly I'm being renewed day by day. And so I want to invite us to respond in some way. Because faith isn't saying, well, that was encouraging or that was challenging, amen, go home. Faith is I'm hearing this and now I am gonna change how I think. I'm gonna change how I choose and I'm gonna change how I live. I'm gonna do something. And so in a second, I'm gonna pray just so that we can fully experience what God is wanting to do today, which like a domino is gonna catalyze something else in your life as you respond by faith. So let's pray together. Father, I want to acknowledge before you that I am a jar of clay. And all too often I start to trust my strength, my abilities, my ability to solve problems and confront issues. And I can acknowledge that when I do face challenges, oftentimes it gets to the root of my faith. But Father God, I wanna choose both for me and for us as a church that while we acknowledge our, defend, our deficiencies, we are dependent on you, Jesus. And we know that in some occasions that means that as we trust you in prayer, you remove the obstacle from our lives. But more often, Jesus, you are gonna reveal yourself to be strong in our weaknesses. And while we may continue to be hard-pressed on every side, by faith, we will not be crushed. And as a consequence of trusting you, Jesus, it doesn't automatically mean I, I get all the answers I'm looking for. But Jesus, you leave a hope in my heart and I do not despair. And while I feel like the whole world is working against the name of Jesus, I know that you are with me. And even if I get struck down this week, I'm not destroyed. So Father, for every single one of us who are experiencing anxiety, fear, challenge. As we become fragile in this moment and vulnerable, 
We choose to trust you. As Paul says a few verses later, we choose to look at and fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And so we trust the treasure, not the jar of clay. We trust the life of Jesus in my challenges. And God, as we do that daily, your word says that outwardly, yes, we may fade away, but inwardly we are going to be renewed day by day. I pray that we would experience that renewal this week. And even if our problems don't go away, that we experience and taste your life in our circumstances. So church, I wanna encourage you to take these verses and wake up tomorrow morning and open 2 Corinthians chapter four. And pray this out before God, recognizing your deficiencies, but declaring your dependency on Jesus' life. And then I wanna encourage you on Tuesday morning to open 2 Corinthians chapter four and do the same thing because that is faith, hearing, thinking differently, trusting Jesus, and putting this into practice.